We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey everyone, it's Lindsay Rhodes and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show. Fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Aikman is intercepted by Sam Mills. Steve Smith is going to go all the way. Panthers win in overtime. Newton steps up, throws for the end zone. Olsen, touchdown! Brian Burns to the house! This one is picked again. Intercepted by Boston. Bridgewater, throw into the end zone, touchdown! Samuel still on his feet, inside the five, to the end zone, touchdown! What a play! And it is caught for the touchdown by Moore. And in the foot race, McCaffrey to the end zone. Keep pounding on three. One, two, three. Keep pounding. All right, Panthers fans, welcome to another edition of the Roar podcast right here on the Blue Wire Networks. It's John Ellis and Billy Marshall. We're here with you for the next uh, 30, 45 minutes or so. Recapping uh, one of Carolina's five wins this year so far. Uh, this one uh, at the hands of the Washington football team yesterday up in D.C. We're going to talk about that and I'm sure a few other things that have popped up on uh, uh, in Panthers world today. Billy, how you doing, bud? Doing well. How are you, John? I'm very well, my friend. Uh, let's just dive right into it. Uh, get your general impressions of what we saw yesterday and then we can talk about some of the... Uh, the other stuff that's going on in Panthers Twitter right now. But, uh, as far as uh, the performances yesterday, what stood out to you in Washington? Yeah, certainly Curtis Samuel on offense was a standout, probably the best uh, player on that side of the ball. Uh, he made his impact known, not only um, receiving it like he usually does, uh, and but also as a running, or excuse me, as a running back. And I mean that that one long forty-five yard carry he had just. Uh, I mean, it looks so similar to McCaffrey with you know, how he was able to press the hole and then um, yeah. set up the defensive back with a fantastic juke move, and then he was able to explode down the sideline. So uh, very encouraging performance by him, and no matter where he is next year, uh, he's going to be in line to get a really nice paycheck 
Uh, and then I, I thought Taylor Moton had another strong game. And um, a, the majority of Washington's pressures, uh, they came on the left side, whether it was Montez Sweat or Chase Young. Young obviously had the two strip sacks, but he was also making his presence known in other areas. Uh, but but for me, I, I was really impressed with Moton. He was able to just solidify that end uh, really well. Uh, they did. Washington does a lot of stunts, and he was able to pick up guys like Jerron Payne and John Allen. Um, and then I guess finally with the offense, uh, I thought DJ Moore actually had a pretty solid game too. I mean, he got open. And yeah. as a receiver, your job is to get open. Right. And I'm sure we'll get into this, but he, he was let down a few times, not only by missed uh, inaccurate balls, but also missed opportunities with, when the quarterback's supposed to be reading him and delivering a, uh, a pass to his way. Uh, so that, that was, uh, so those were some of my top performers on offense. Um, I mean, it, it was a good, Washington is a good defense. Yeah. Um, but I felt like, and we'll get into this, I'm sure later, that there were opportunities to really, uh, really put the hammer down. <laughs> You know, Ron Rivera was there, so of course it's a missed opportunities game, Billy. Just it's fitting. Um, in the spirit of Ron's uh, mantra, missed opportunities, of course. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I I share some of what you just mentioned here. Uh, you know, I kind of gave uh, Joe Brady some grief about using Samuel a little too much at running back. The minute I did, uh, Samuel breaks off that nice forty-five yarder down the boundary, and, and you're right. Uh, there was some McCaffrey there in terms of vision, in terms of patience, the cutback, and then the power at the end finishing was impressive. So, you know, hats off to Curtis for making the most of his opportunities, seven carries, 52 yards. Uh, again, they did a good job watching in terms of bottling up Mike Davis, 14 for 28. Uh, and that's a good front forward, as you know, uh, Billy, we've talked about this defense, uh, not just front four, but overall they're, they're making some strides. So I think, you know, they did a pretty good job in terms of moving the ball, but again, uh, what what struck me in terms of the passing game is only four Panthers caught a ball yesterday. Uh, there was no tight end involvement once again. No big surprise. So Moore had five. Samuel had five. Anderson had seven. And then, you know, once again, we're, we're, we're talking about the quarterback here. <clears throat> and there continues to be a growing sentiment out there in Panthers Twitter, but also among reporters now. I'm seeing – you know, other high-level reporters for this team that are starting to, you know, say what I think you and I had been saying here for weeks now, that the Bridgewater, for what he does bring to the table, just lacks some fundamental things that this team needs moving forward in terms of elevation. I think you saw it yesterday in terms of the two vertical throws he missed. Uh, you know, Samuel is running, you know, right down the seam there. Uh, out of the slot, and he's got an easy touchdown, and the ball's underthrown. And then DJ, of course, with a nice move down the boundary, and uh, he's overthrown by you know seven, eight yards. And you just can't do that. You got to take advantage of those opportunities. So I think offensively, that's kind of where I'm at. You know, Bridgewater, we're, is, we've talked about this being kind of an evaluation period for him. But but again, I don't know how much more you can take from what we've seen so far. Do you, do you have anything to add on Bridgewater in terms of what you yeah. saw yesterday? I know you were pretty vocal on Twitter about this being one of his least effective games of the year. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm kind of tired of it to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean this has been a trend now for several weeks. Right. And you know Bill Vote, I was speaking to him today on Twitter, and he did say that Bridgewater is nursing some injuries. 
I don't really see his name popping up on the injury report, so I can't speculate on that, but I appreciate his clarification on that matter. However, what, what I'm seeing d- does not look like a physical issue because you just said it, John. One throw, he's, he's underthrowing Curtis Samuel, and then he's overthrowing DJ Moore. Right. right. I, I mean, so it, it, it doesn't have anything to do with, like, his physical limitations holding it back like we saw with Cam Newton in 2019 and 2000. Right. Right, Cam was, Cam was consistently underthrowing at that point. Um, yeah, it, it was it was evident that he was very injured. And I'm not going to relitigate anything with that. I'm just looking at what I'm seeing, and then he's got to get rid of the ball. So some of these sacks, it, it's it's becoming very um, similar to Kyle Allen last year, where right, he's right staring guys down and he's just pumping and then not releasing the throw. It's a slant flat combination on third and seven at the you know washington 39 yard line i mean you get like four or five yards you're in joey slide territory you can't take yep. a sack there for a slant flat combination you have you know the tight end running with leverage on the tight end or on the linebacker throw it to exactly. ian thomas yeah i mean don't don't put yourself in a situation where you need to just act as if you you're patrick mahomes and that's the thing i'm just i'm not even seeing this is isolated to teddy i'm seeing with so many of these quarterbacks where um, they, they feel like they need to make a play out of structure to prove something right. and j- just be who you are. And for me, it's becoming, you know, an issue because it's letting other players on the offense down. Well, it's since Joe Brady came down to the field, you know, this is another thing in terms of, you know, we had a couple games there where communication was a bit of an issue in terms of the uh, uh, last week, for example, in Green Bay, with the sneak over the top where it was supposed to be low. You know, that's a communication thing that should not be happening. And then, again, late in the game against Denver, there were some communication issues in terms of what we should be doing before the two-minute warning. And, and to Matt Rule's credit, who <laughs> we'll get to that in a minute, he's been very candid lately on, on his pressers. And to his credit on some of this, he's been very honest about some of Bridgewater's, um, you know, I think, I don't want to say dereliction of duty. That's a little strong, but he's been yeah. outside the lines a little bit. And they've, the thing is, Billy, they give him a lot of freedom pre-snap. Bridgewater does a lot of stuff pre-snap, and some of it's very effective. Some of it does work. But to your point, if you don't have you know, a cannon of an arm, if you're not a vertical passer by nature, if you can't make those vertical throws or don't want to or just don't trust it, you got to play with anticipation. And to your point, I think there were several cases. I mean, those are su- that's supposed to be his – Calling card. That's his calling card. Anticipation, processing, get the ball out quick, and there's just too many times. Again, Chase Young is a hell of a player. So is Montez Sweat, and I know Carolina has major issues at left tackle. But, again, to your point, sacks are a quarterback stat, and you can see when you watch the film on some of these that, the you know, the double, triple pump there, they're pulling it down, and just the indecisiveness. So taking a sack on fourth down, again, those are things you can't do. So, again, I'm just and, not and, that impressed. And a couple, I think it was – um, yeah, it was both the uh, Chase Young strip sacks. You know, Teddy really needs to be stepping up in the pocket there. Yep. And and, and j- just one more thing about taking. Obviously, don't get me wrong. I, I strongly believe, and I think there's been enough, um, you know, analysis, data analysis, then that sacks, um, you know, should be a quarterback stat, especially uh, because when these sacks are happening, it's like over two and a half seconds. So it's not right. like, um, I mean, certainly if you have Aaron Donald in your face within like one second then yeah there's going to be times where uh, the offensive line lets you know however i I do want to say something and that's um regarding both of those uh situations um with the strip sack 
yes, like I was saying, sacks are not good. What's worse is fumbling it. And that, that's been a consistent theme here. Right. Um, it, you know, from what I'm seeing, uh, that I don't know why, why it's happening at all. I mean, you know, Teddy Two Gloves, is, that's, that's his nickname. But, right. uh, I mean, he, he really needs to take, you know, taking a sack is not good. You know, ball security is. This is paramount. the same stuff that, that we were we were very critical about Kyle Allen for last year. Now yes. Allen did yes. Allen did this with a little more frequency early on in terms of the fumbles, and he started cleaning that up. But again, it reared its ugly head later in the year too. But he has a, a tremendous experience deficit relative to Bridgewater. Bridgewater is a former number one, you know, first round pick. Um, he started plenty of games in this league. Uh, but once again, let, let's just talk about quarterback wins not being an effective measurement either. You know, Bridgewater was brought here in large part because of his familiarity with Joe Brady. And I, I'm sure there was a lot of talk behind the scenes about how this would go, you know, was, this marriage was going to be smooth and seamless and this would be an offense to be reckoned with. And we're only seeing, what, 15, 16 touchdown passes through 16 games now or 15 games now. That's just – with these weapons, that's not cutting it. And, the, the, again, the red zone production was a little better. But, again, they had one drive, Billy, where they were a 10-play drive. They didn't throw the ball once. What does that tell you? I mean, I, mean, it's, I like seeing them physically man up and run the ball. I love running the ball as much as anybody. I think it's great. But, man, 10 plays, no passes. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, I mean, that's the thing. And people are going to – you know, either DM us or tweet at us that we're too negative, but yeah. the fact of the matter is the other touchdown or one of the other touchdowns was because of a muffed punt. Yes, and and right. it's, it's becoming, it's just, it's, it's honestly just becoming, I don't know how you can, this type of offensive football with this quarterback is sustainable in winning with it. And, you know, this game sort of a, a little bit reminds me of that chargers win where, yeah. You had the defense playing their butts off, um, but you're, you're left in the situation where the quarterback is just not – you know what? I, I just feel like it's a quarterback because there were open receivers and the offensive line for all their issues on the left side. Okay, we, we, we have to put that into context. You can't just say the offensive line was terrible without realizing that a career journeyman guard – was playing, you yeah, know, Schofield, right. majority of the game at left <laughs> right. tackle, okay? That's not, that's not ideal. And, it, yeah, and it's not like, you know, again, let's just keep that in perspective. Right. But I, I, just, I just really feel, you know, strongly about this, that th- th- this offense really has potential to, you know, be even better than what it is currently. And these past few weeks, I just – I don't know if I can just handle another season of, you know, Bridgewater on their center letting, you know, certain areas down. And it's, it's um, becoming a theme, and I'm sure we'll get into this in the offseason and all that stuff. But sure, um, I don't know. Yesterday was kind of the breaking point for me. Well, and it's, you know, one, one thing folks are going to say, I'm sure, to, to me and maybe to both of us, is, you know, it, uh, it's a win. Of course, you got half the fan base freaking out that the win is going to end the entire structure of the franchise because of a few draft position spots. And, you you know, look, I, I don't know what to tell people. I, I'll, I, I can't no, control I that. To this that is the, they are where they are right now. I'm just not that concerned about that at this point. I'm just not. Um, I can't I can't, I can't can't analyze the game that way. I can't say, well, you know, they should have lost here because, you know, look, they're going against Dwayne Haskins, who just broke protocol and was in a bad place mentally, obviously, 
and did not play a good game. They had Terry McLaurin out. And then, they, you know, Taylor Heineke probably played the best out of all the quarterbacks, Billy, to be honest, um, in terms of numbers. But uh, this is who you're going against. You've got a very good defense with an offense with a huge deficit in terms of uh, talent and availability. And it wasn't exactly a very tough matchup for Carolina. So, you know, I, I guess just my takeaway from this, Bridgewater had talked about in his presser, he said, we just wanted to come out and put together, and I'm paraphrasing here, we wanted to have a complete win and we got it. And I'm just sitting there like, you know, this, this is 72, 73 yards of offense in the second half. That, that's far from complete, Ben. And I, I get what they're doing here. I get what the – Can I ask you a rally. question? How many of these Bridgewater press conferences have you watched? Uh, you know, I several. You know, I don't. I watch from here to there. I watch clips. Has he? Has he ever taken accountability? Um, you know, here that's an interesting thing, and I don't want to accuse him of, of no there, but uh, he hasn't been to me just on on a general scale here from watching what I've seen. That's a great question, Billy. I haven't seen some of the you know. Raised hand, you know, I, I screwed up here. I messed up. That's on me. I've got to lead better. I've got to do better. It's, it's always a we kind of thing. And, uh, yeah, that, I, I've noticed that. No, you're not off on that. You're yeah, not. I, I'm not, you know, trying to question any of his uh, character or motives when things aren't going well. Um, I just, like you, and I know you responded to that tweet that he, um, uh, that Joe tweeted out a quote from his about we played a complete game. Yeah. I mean, special teams, defense, complete game. No, I mean, you're not going to have me complain about them one no, bit. Not at all. Uh, but as far as the offense goes, uh, well, no. the passing game, this whole thing was structured around spreading the field. Three guys caught balls yesterday, three receivers. So, I mean, <laughs> some of this is on Joe Brady too. I mean, there's plenty to work with here. Um, and some of it's on the quarterback. Some of it, I'm sure, is on protection. But it's not on the receivers. These guys are getting open. Um, and, you know, I, I can't evaluate Ian Thomas if they don't throw him the ball. So I, I don't know what to tell you there. I mean, he's getting open. That's a, that, that's yeah, my he is. I, and the, just the quarterback isn't throwing to them. I mean, anyone, again, I recommend this to anyone listening. Just, you know, invest the money if you have it into NFL Game Pass. Yes. And and watch this. We're not like just making stuff up here. We're not. It doesn't. It does. You don't need to be like a, you know, forty-year veteran coaching in the NFL to actually just watch this and understand that there are receivers open. This offense is producing um, a, a scheme that's very quarterback friendly. And right now, this quarterback is letting the entire offense down. And I don't think that's a really hot take and people might disagree with that and that's fine, but it's, it's just, it's becoming a theme. And if they want to compete in the future, if they, if their goal is to win a championship, you cannot it. with good nature, like have him come back uh, without well, competition. He's yeah, he's coming back. I mean, obviously the, the, unless they do some type of restructure, uh, I mean, there's some. I don't mind them coming back, but there needs to be competition. There needs to be some competition, whether it's in the form of a, a high draft rookie, whether it's I don't know what's on the market next year. I'll have to take close closer look at that. But um, right now, it's it's pretty much carte blanche for him. I mean, he's got you know PJ Walker, who you know played fine, you know made some mistakes, but did some decent things. And then you've got Will Greer, who clearly is not ready. So that's not true competition. You, you're going to have to bring in somebody at some point. 
rookie or otherwise that can that can elevate this entire offensive group. Not even elevate them, Billy. I mean, these are good weapons they have to work with. That's um, what I'm what, saying. It, it, it's not a situation where he needs to just, um, act as if he's, you know, 2015 Cam Newton. Right, right. And, and Kimes, your job. And, to the point of him not being healthy, he's running a whole lot for somebody who's not healthy. I mean, he's, he's, he's doing a lot of the FIO stuff to figure it out. Nothing, yeah. No, I, I totally agree. Nothing that he's done yeah. or a lot of the mistakes that we're noticing has nothing to do with his physical right. ability. And I think, you know, from, from Billy's – Bill, Bill Voth and, and even guys like Darren Gant, you know, I have no problem with those guys. They do a good job. But their perspective is much different in the building. And I'm not saying they're biased because they work for the team. But I, and I, I think even some reporters have a different perspective on this because, you know, Joe, Joe and I talked about this today on Twitter – you know, he pushed back on me a little bit. He was very fair about it. You know, I talked about some of the things you don't have to say as a coach and a presser. And, and Joe's take on it was, well, certainly you would like to have coaches to give perspective because it's good for, for quotes and whatnot. I said, yeah, as a reporter, it's great. But I'm just trying to look at it from how, how constructive is this for your organization right now going off tangentially tangentially on, on things like the 76ers and how they run their process. Um, I, I thought it was just on, on that point, I guess we could transition to the presser today. I, I did not, I, I did not like it, a lot of it. <laughs> I, I liked what he said in the beginning about, this you know, had to be. I, I think what he said in the beginning about winning now and trying, and, you know, of course the football coach is going to think this is no surprise to me. If the football coach is going to think and operate that way, I've known that from, for many years, you have too. So I'm not expecting him to come out and, you know, give me, Oh, you know, well, uh, you know, obviously, you know, we, we should have tanked this and that look, he said the right things and he's got his buy-in from the locker room, obviously, but then he starts weaving out into 76ers land. And I just thought that was a little much. I just, you know, why even bother doing that? If, if, if we're making the playoffs like the 76ers are and we have two, like, young superstars, who in their right minds would be against that? Uh, <laughs> anyway, I that's – I, I, I don't want to talk basketball, but – I, I don't do, either. <laughs> but, hey, blame Matt. He brought it up. <laughs> it's, it's just it's, – it, it was such a disingenuous press conference. And well, I'm, I'm, I don't use that word lightly. And I mean, I'm not sure where he's getting his PR lessons. Maybe it's from David Tepper, but it, it needs to stop. This was such an unnecessary well, like, especially attempt your, to divide the first, fan base. Yeah, your first win in, what, over a month um, against a, a depleted offense, you know. And, again, I, I know that the narrative he tried to set was, you know, look, we went to Green Bay and, and we, we didn't lay down. Well, great. Congratulations. It's what you should be doing. You've got plenty of talent offensively to hang with Green Bay. It took you two and a half quarters to get that thing rolling. You were blessed with the defense that kept you in the game. And then this week, you know, you're going against a very, let's face it, a very bad offense with Washington. And, and that defense, honestly, they played good. But again, that's not a great litmus test. But he came into that presser today almost reactionary to what people are saying on Twitter and the things we have to hear and the things we have to talk about. Almost like, all right, look, I want to have about a five-minute monologue here to set the record straight on why I don't feel like tanking. And I just don't feel like a coach needs to do that. I think your job is to just come in and say, look, it's a great game. Here's some of the highlights. Here's some of the strong points. And just leave that to Twitter. You know, that's, that's my perspective on it. If I'm a coach, I, I'm not giving that the time of day because, I honestly, I'm not worried about the fans. I mean, I am, but 
he just I just felt like a sales pitch. It felt very salesy. If you would allow me, if, if you would allow to indulge me for a few minutes here. Please. No head coach, no coach, actually, no player, no member of that staff who works inside that building should ever apologize for winning a football game. Ever. That's just, that you, the, the fans are not that idiot. They're not that idiotic to realize that the coaches and the players are attempting to win every single week. Right. They get it. You don't need to apologize for that. That is exactly what that press conference was. Right. And then he's bringing up all this nonsense about winning in December. Yes, I believe winning in December works. You know who else won in December? Let's go back to 2009. John Fox's Carolina Panthers with Derek Anderson were what? Five and eight. And they won three, three in a row. They went eight and eight. What happened the next year? Yeah. Two and 14. Yeah. You want to look at Ron Rivera's first two years in the league. They were seven and three in December. And Rivera was about to get fired after that Buffalo game in 2013. <laughs> This is it's it, you, th- there is no well, relevance to how you're doing in December versus how you're doing as an organization. I, I mean, do you think Pittsburgh, like all, all of a sudden they want they lost three de- December games, and do, do you all, all of a sudden think that just because they won yesterday that everything is fine and dandy? I, no. I think I think if you have to talk about it, that's a problem. If you feel, I just don't get it. Like what, great, what are great you teams, to do? There, there is a lot of value in playing your best football after Thanksgiving. But I totally if, agree. If you feel the need to expound on that to the media, unsolicited, really, almost. I mean, the, the, to, I didn't. The, I saw the press conference from the beginning on the Panthers feed. He opens up and you know some lighthearted stuff about I'm tired, man. What a what a day. But I want to start out by just giving you guys my perspective from a football end. And he went into a, a, about a four or five minute tangent, which a lot of the stuff I agreed with in principle. But the fact that you even it's your five wins in here out of what, 15 games. So so maybe it's OK to pump the brakes on. Yeah, I guess in a way, you know, he started compiling Ron Rivera's record over the past few years in December. And a lot of people were thinking that's kind of an indirect shot at Ron. Yeah, Ron's a big boy. He can take that. But then the 76 or stuff, you know, adding in later. Look, I, I yeah, let me just say something about that. I, th- I was is... in Philadelphia, and I know I, they're not hanging any raft, hanging banners of rafters. I said, well, you know, yeah. honestly, they built a pretty good thing there. It's taken a while. But, you know, just because you don't have a rafter hanging with a, you know, title banner yet doesn't mean you're not doing the right thing. It's really bold for being your first year exactly five don't, wins in. It's really bold. <laughs> if, if you're going to make fun of the Sixers for not winning a championship because their process hasn't necessarily yielded a champion, a title. 2020 has already reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need and you can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. And now Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor the job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit 
to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Right now, go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. If your process doesn't yield the title, then people are going to come out at you. Yeah, exactly. No, okay. No, to get back to my earlier point here for a second, um, you know, we had this conversation after there, uh, after Carolina beat um, Los Angeles, the Chargers. Right. Uh, we, we discussed some of the divisions between the fan base about, you know, some fans, they, they want to see draft positioning. Okay. And that, that's normal. Don't get mad at them because they, they want to see the team improve in the future. Okay. I'm, again, I, my position remains the same as it was in September. I really don't care. I really do not care this season what right. they do, whether it's you know, you're going full, like, you know, rebuild and you're losing games or you're attempting to win games. Right. Okay. I really don't care. So five wins does not bother me. It, it really doesn't. I know some fans um, who want them to lose disagree. And some of the others are saying that I'm um, kind of being an apologist for the, for those individuals, but I'm not. Yeah. But we had this conversation, and we saw percolate yesterday. There were a lot of people saying that the players are up. You know, they were shouting back at fans and saying, "Tell, you know, tell this player you want them to lose." And fans just they they, they want what's best for the organization. Right. And right now, and I think it's just it's a product of so much anger and division that it's it's not very healthy for this head coach to stand up there in that press conference and try to like, you know, grow the division among the right. fan base. Exactly. That, just, just take your win. That was my, explain, that, that, point that out was, guys like Derek Brown, Taylor Moton, Curtis yeah. Samuel, and he, you know, Brandon Zylstra, Joseph Charlton, point to, these guys out. To be There's fair, no I think, wait, I think, sit up there. I think later in the press or some of those questions probably got answered. I and mean, I, I didn't see the whole thing, but, I'm sure he expounded upon that, but to open up with, you know, a, a holding court about what fans on Twitter think about tanking is just, it, it's beneath him. You're the head coach of the Panthers. It's, it's just, I, I, I appreciate his candor as a reporter. And, it's, you and, know, and to be 100% clear, no NFL team has ever embarked on a Sixers type tank. No, right. Yeah. It's not even relevant. It's ridiculous. But to your point, you're exactly right. Talk about the positives from the game. Focus on that and quit feeding into this bullshit that is just not worth your time. You know, look, I think most people, I saw some predictions this team would win two games. I saw some that would win six. I had them at six. They're at five now. I think you and I were in the same ballpark. So, I mean, they're, at the end of the day, I'm not surprised where they are. They're about where I thought they'd be. The defense came along a little stronger here lately than I thought they would. Phil Snow, I think, has done a pretty good job. And I think the offense has ta- – I, I expected more. I expected more touchdowns. I expected better red zone production. I expected better ideas from Joe Brady. I'm not seeing all that coming to fruition. Now, McCaffrey being hurt obviously does impact that. The left tackle situation has been terrible. But once again, you know, <laughs> I expected more from the offense. But on the whole, this is about where I thought they'd be. And I didn't think they'd be in the running for Trevor Lawrence or even Fields at this point. Or, you know, you know the, the kid from BYU, Zach. So, obviously, they've, they've got some options coming up in the draft, and a lot can change this week. But as a fan, I just, you know, my advice to fans would be, 
don't make yourself miserable over it. You know, I know you want draft position, but you're just you're gonna you're not gonna even enjoy the, the you're not gonna enjoy these games if you're thinking about the draft. You're just not. It's no. gonna be it's gonna make for a miserable three and a half hours of viewing because either way you're losing. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, yeah. I, I just enjoyed some of the performances yesterday. I enjoyed seeing Derek Brown batting down balls. I enjoyed watching Shaq Thompson flying around. That was good. Uh, some of the stuff we saw from, you know, Robbie Anderson late in the game was good. The touchdown, you know, Samuel doing just outstanding stuff. Taylor Moten. Um, just let's kind of shift a little bit over to the defense. What, where do you think this defense is truly, Billy? Because it's hard to get a – it's not the best litmus test, Washington. I, I'll grant you that. But yeah. they, they had kind of a clunky game against Denver. Drew Locke went nuts on them. And, you know, that's going to happen. You know, the coverages were abysmal in that game. And there were some things that broke down. But, you know, they did hold Devin Cook in that game to, to 60 yards against Minnesota. They scored more points than the offense. Um, your assessment, I guess, these final four weeks as we go into the end of the season where Phil Snow has this very young defense uh, trending right now. Don't let the facts try to make up the narrative. Yeah. And by that, I mean this defense is a unit that has been improving, that has been adjusting, and you're seeing it on display throughout these last few weeks. Right. And for me, it's, it's, it's a combination of young players playing well, and I think they're doing a lot of um, – you know, I have to watch the tape again, but I think just from my general impression, a lot of the pattern read coverages and uh, the, they're disguising – um, it, it's working at a pretty high level. Now, I will say, whenever you have Trey Boston and Tahir Whitehead get an interception off you, and that probably means you're a bad quarterback. Yeah, so, uh, Tahir, I couldn't believe the Tahir one. I was like, <laughs> that was like, and credit to him, he got up there vertically a little bit, made it happen, but uh, not exactly the best. I was more pissed that he was on the field. Huh? I was more upset that he was actually on the field. <laughs> I was shocked. He's, he's getting like five snaps a game lately, and all of a sudden I see 52 out there. And I had to do a double take. I thought it was uh, Taylor at first, 57. I was like, what the hell? But, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, obviously, it's, so I said it might not be the best litmus test. Obviously, you've got an interesting situation coming up with New Orleans. You would imagine, at least for the majority of that game, they're going to be going full speed with I, knowing what Green Bay is playing at that same window of time, they've got a chance for this first round bye, but albeit, you know, marginal given Green Bay has the upper hand right now. So it'll be another good test, obviously, for this defense, uh, unlike some of these New Orleans Week 17 games in the past, one of which Matt, <laughs> like how, when Matt did his calculus today in terms of the records from the December, January. Can I, can I say something on that? He took he took the New Orleans-Kyle Allen game out of the mix. He said, that doesn't count. <laughs> so I just thought that was some, some good mathematical, mathematical gymnastics by the coach there. Can I just say one more final thought on that entire yeah, charade today? Go, anything you want, man. Yeah, it, 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 just, it, it just speaks to – I mean – I don't know why he had to do that. And I hope this isn't becoming a trend where he needs to just, you know, grow the divide between the fan base because you're seeing it happen now where certain media members are obviously going to, um, you know, just listen to whatever he says and use it as a narrative. Whereas you're seeing a lot of intelligent fans call it out and some people are taking it a little too far. I I will say that. Uh, But for me, it's just like, you won a game after you know coming up so close a few times. 
but let's let, let's try to temper the enthusiasm. The guy you beat, the quarterback you beat yesterday, was cut the following day. Yep. So yep. are we not supposed to use this game like as a measuring stick in the future? Let's just say like you know he gets fired in two years, a new coach comes in and says, oh well you know they won that game in Washington, but we're not going to use it because they're third string or second string <laughs> That's quarterback. What I thought in. to myself, I said it's pretty pretty convenient to start tossing and wins and losses because you don't think they fit your narrative. And and, and let's uh, the final thing here is that um, you know a lot of the discussion about the purpose of winning um, draft pick and culture and all this stuff. I feel like the culture type aspect of it is becoming, it's overshadowing its importance. And I want to hear your thoughts on it too. But for me, I I do believe a strong culture is important and no one will tell you that Ron Rivera didn't have a good culture in in Carolina when he was here. So this idea that, you know, suddenly like Carolina was a toxic place um, last year and all of a sudden this year like they're trying to build it like fair enough if you feel that way mm, my yeah. opinion Rivera's culture in Carolina was perfectly acceptable but you know what helped Ron Rivera win games here it was talent talent <laughs> hall of famers talent means more than culture yeah. yeah you figure out the talent then you build your culture like you can't just continue to lean on this culture type stuff if you don't have talent and then for anyone like bringing up the Miami dolphins, I, I, I responded to this. I was like, yeah, like Miami, like they really did a good job of building their culture last, but you know what else they did? They also signed like a bunch of players, spent over a hundred million dollars. <laughs> they early. spent a ton of cash, Billy. <laughs> and then they five, signed everybody. Five draft picks in the first two rounds. Yeah, yeah. Carolina does not have that luxury. And that's, you know, part of the reason is they did not do it the right way to begin with. They, haphazardly released Cam Newton. They did it in the middle of a pandemic. He's obviously having his struggles this year, and that's a different issue. But in terms of how they went about, just they didn't get value back for some of their core guys, and they didn't make the moves that Miami did. And now Miami's sitting there with a top five pick again. So, I mean, it's just – it's a different situation altogether. Um, I just – Like, it's, it's – you can't – just to tie this all up, you know, because again, I, I don't want to be taking any shots at anyone in particular, but don't get mad at certain fans who are going to be upset if the result doesn't go their way next week against New Orleans. Right. Don't get upset because if you're getting upset at them over a win yesterday for draft positioning, don't get upset if certain fans who want them to beat the Saints, that I know plenty of fans that despise New Orleans. And they don't want to yes. see them get swept. I saw your tweet. You're on board with it. I mean, at this point, why not? Why not? You've lost your top four pick. Go, just go on in there with some ass. I'm with you. Just, um, just go beat the, beat the Saints. And then when, when you beat the Saints, I'll try to take your culture stuff a little more seriously. Matt's, Matt's got a, a bit of a, a high-energy complex about him. And I mean this you know, in a positive way, but also when he does these pressers – so after some of these losses, he he looks dead inside. I mean, and, and that's a lot of coaches do. That's not an insult. No, after his Minnesota loss, I thought he was, like, depressed. Yeah, and he doesn't want to say any. He just stick to the basics. You get one win under your belt. You come guns a-blazing talking about anything from Ron Rivera's December record all the way to the 76ers process and how it's a failure. I'm just thinking, slow down, Chief. It's your first year. You've got five wins under your belt. That's not bad. You know, you're making some improvements here. But, again – 
your team has lost a lot of close games. You have mismanaged some of those games. You've got plenty to work with on the offensive side of the ball. Your quarterback, you sold us on. You sold everybody on this quarterback. Even mentioning Evan, uh, Taylor, Evan Cooper's name is the guy who really recruited Teddy. Teddy has played below that contract. He has played below expectations. And now they have another full year locked in with Bridgewater, and he'll be here. You know, he might even start. I know that that's not music to your ears. It's not music to mine either. But if you're a little bit of humility would, would be in order after a win, I think. I, I just think you, Matt went really out of his way. He almost had receipts on his desk, it looked like. It's just, okay, I got this written down. Here's what I've got for Carolina's December record the last three years. I want you to hear this. We all know that. We've been here, Billy. We know the shit we've been through. You know, in- the culture stuff, Billy, you're right. This team had a great culture in early 2018 when they, they made the 64-yarder against the, the Giants. They had the largest fourth-quarter comeback in franchise history with Newton and the gang in Philadelphia. They killed Baltimore, the number one defense in the league. And then T.J. Uh, Watt blew up Cam's shoulder, and the defense fell apart. That wasn't a cultural issue. That was a talent deficit issue down the stress down the stretch. So, I mean, the culture was fine here, even in 2018, as recently as 2018. So, somehow, this is just this big cultural savior here. I got to see more than five wins to buy into it. And I'm actually, and and I've said this multiple times, I still believe in this coaching staff, but I just want to say one thing. Right now, who knows what, what Washington, where they will be in the playoffs, but Carolina and Arizona, they haven't beaten a playoff team this year. Right. Um, and nope. Matt Rule's record in at Baylor in a temple, he's not beat he never beat a ranked team with at, at Baylor at least. He didn't beat a ranked team. And he was one and two in bowl games. Yeah. So he needs to pick it up. And that, that gets back to my original point as, as to how he was coveted and paid the seventh, I guess sixth at the time, now seventh highest contract among all head coaches in the NFL. And that's Tepper's money to spend, not my problem. Herney was a part of that recruiting process, ironically. Um, and that's fine. But again, it gets back to, you know, whether or not we got the jury's still out on Matt Rule. Matt Rule's very comfortable with that contract. But again, you get into year two or three, Bill, and you're still coming up with five wins a year. Uh, I guarantee you, that seven year contract ain't going to mean shit. It's, it's the, the heat the seat will get hot it will so he's got to let me it ask up. you this remember, you remember in 2000 uh you know 12 when Rivera won those four games down the stretch when yep. they were beating out uh I mean they, they blew out like San Diego San Diego um Oakland Oakland yeah I remember those do you think that in 2013 when EJ Manuel's Buffalo Bills <laughs> were driving down the field that you know Jerry Richardson thought you know, that culture that Ron Rivera built by winning those four <laughs> games at the end of the year, that was really important. Well, yeah, I think every situation's different. That, that didn't no, 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 really... Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. I, I, I agree. I, I, I certainly had no issue with those wins because no, no, I know at that saying, time though. I was like I, – I totally get what you're saying. I mean, it's not always translatable. You know, a coach once told me in the NFL, every team is different this team is going to be different than next year's team because a lot of the guys won't be here. So you have to treat it that way. There's not the carryover that people like to think. But in terms of a first-year coach, you know, I think it's kind of important. That was Ron's second year, and then the third year didn't start out so hot. There was some fumbling around. They killed the Giants. The Gettleman revenge came. And then, obviously, they went on a tear after that Arizona loss. And I think – I don't think the late-season wins with with some different personnel – 
honestly had everything to do with that, but I think they could lean on some of that. It, it seemed to work well in 2002. Again, we're going way back to when I was a college kid when they, they won late and they knocked New Orleans out of the playoffs in their house week 17. That was a good one. That, that served them well. They knocked Cleveland down a notch too, and Cleveland was a playoff team that year. So they beat two potential playoff teams in December on the road down the stretch. And I think that helped this team understand in close games – they could do it. And I think that's what Matt's trying to explain here. And I don't disagree. He's a Bill Parcells guy. He's a, a Tom Coughlin guy. I respect where he comes from on some of that. But to your point about Baylor, look, the jury's still out because this is Baylor's head coach we're talking about here now functioning in the NFL. I like some of the stuff they're doing on the staff. I, I think it's been better in a lot of ways, the game management. We've had some ups and downs here. But on the whole, I thought they'd be outcoached a lot more than they had been. Um, but, but, again, you got to look at the matchups. Detroit had some terrible – things going on on defense when we played them a few weeks ago, especially in coverage. It was awful. Um, offensively, they had Stafford, but they were missing some weapons too. And I don't think that was the best litmus test, but they shut them out and credit goes to them. But yesterday, again, without McLaurin uh, and without, uh, obviously, you know, Alex Smith, man, it was just I, – I, there was there was a bad offense they played yesterday. So I, I, they still almost, almost got beat at the end. They were onside kick, barely recovered by D.J. Moore. And who knows, Heineke could have let him right down the field. So, again, the jury's still out. But, uh, man, I don't know. It's, it's This coach, he's unpredictable with some of his comments. And I think, you know, to, when Joe Person reached out to me again, once again, and, and we had some pushback, and his, you know, comment to me was, dude, you don't want a head coach who, who's insightful and in giving commentary? He's like, no thanks. And my comment back was like, if you're a reporter, the more the merrier. That's not my role. I'm not in the pressers. I'm okay with that right now because it serves me no purpose. There are plenty of good reporters in there asking good questions. I like to sit back and see what's going on and analyze it from a football perspective, look at the film like you do, and just say, okay, you know, moving forward, is this, is this the right messaging for the team and for the yeah. franchise and all that? As a reporter, I could care. I, I don't, as an analyst, I don't need quotes. It doesn't help me at all. It helps the writers a lot. So I get Joe's point on that. But, you know, I think Matt could temper some of this conversation. Oh, yeah, 100%. I have, I have no issues with, um, you, you know, the head coach, like, you know, going in. Oh, well, if I'm coming from a reporter's sure. perspective, yes. Um, the more quotes, the more he talks, the merrier because he has more con- they have more content. To Absolutely. But, you know, for us, and, and we both support the team, it, yep. it's just – it's becoming a theme where – we're sitting here and we're discussing irrelevant press conferences <laughs> and it, it's, it's just so unnecessary to just yeah. do this. Like, come on. Like, I don't know. It, it's honestly just, it's driving me crazy because I think that there is potential for this team to get better if they find a better quarterback. And yeah. there's a segment of the, this fan base who thinks that, you know, Bridgewater can do no wrong. You just got to give him a top five, well, that's uh, take ridiculous. on the offensive that's, line that's everywhere. Ridiculous. And, that's ridiculous. I mean, you know that there, you know those fans exist, John. Well, and, I know it, and I get pushed back, and I get the, you know, the people that call me out indirectly. I can see it, you know, the quote analyst out there, and I'm like, you know, whatever, dude. That's, I, I understand what y'all are doing. I get it. I'm not attacking y'all. I'm not, and I've been. Look, you've seen my timeline. I've been more than fair to Bridgewater all year, even on this podcast. I've been the one saying, look, this is a great story. I'd love nothing more than to see him take the reins and take ownership of this job. He has not done it. He has simply not done it. And if you're holding on to that idea that he still can do it, I, I don't know. You, you, you know, you need a first round left tackle to prove that. 
bring that in next year and let's do it all over again. But I guarantee you, you're going to see some of the same nonsense you're seeing this year in terms of overthrows, misreads, lack of anticipation, you know, taking sacks when he doesn't need to, fumbling the football. It's not good enough, Billy. It's not. Yeah, no. I mean, it, it's, it's becoming um, a situation that's just driving them – that, that's most likely going to drive this owner into irrelevance. And I don't think that this owner, for all the issues that we have with him, um, he wants this team to be relevant. And sure. the way you get your franchise to be relevant is, by, is not by having Teddy Bridgewater on your center. It's, it's not about Cam Newton anymore. I try to tell people this all the time. I've been Cam's biggest supporter throughout the past couple of years. I put together a ton of film on him. I expected better things from this passing attack in New England. But to be fair, they're dealing with a lot of shit up there that people don't want to talk about in terms of the lack of run defense the guys on the COVID list. Cam has not been great, but this is not a Cam issue in Carolina anymore. And that's the one thing I've tried to stress is, okay, you can take a victory lap if you thought Cam was toast. Go and take – I, I would still not do that. I'd give Cam a couple more years just to prove it somewhere else. Take your victory lap if you want to. But that does not excuse giving Bridgewater $33 million and this being the end result. So that's my larger point here. No, I, I totally agree. And – um, yeah, I mean, there were some, there were some report. I, I think I heard Jonathan Jones on a podcast last week that Marty really liked Justin Herbert. So, yeah. um, I, I mean, so I don't know, like hindsight's obviously 2020, but remember, uh, I, I called out Marty because it was literally like the beginning of the pandemic and he was all the way across the country in Oregon. He's 65 years old. Um, you know, watching, you know, Justin Herbert's pro day. So that, that told you how interested he was in him. Obviously I had issues with Herbert as a prospect. Right. Um, and I, to, to this day, I still do. I think there's some things that he's not perfect at all. Sure. Um, but I, I think that, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they would be in a much different situation today if they had Justin Herbert. Um, I mean, the Justin Herbert that we're seeing in Los Angeles to the one um, to the Teddy Bridgewater that we have here in Carolina. And so, and so for me, okay. it's just like, and, and I just, I, I really think like, I think perspectives and different viewpoints are needed. And if, yeah. and some people are going to accuse us of just always agreeing with each other, but it's not just that we're agreeing with one another. It's that you and I, we follow the same, the, uh, like a similar, like, um, I mean, you've obviously been covering football longer than I have because you're obviously older than me, but um, you know, for me, it, it's just like, we view the game and team building very similarly. Well, of like, course we do. Similar. Yeah. And no I mean, we're going to have different opinions, but for us, th- this is a five and 10 football team. Like we cannot sit here and act as if everything is rainbows and sunshines. There, I mean, there shouldn't be a coronation or celebration. I mean, the the, the New York giants, the New York giants with Dave Gettleman, this GM that's supposedly the worst in the NFL, they have the same record as Carolina Same record. Right. I mean, so let's, let's try to simmer down. We're going to give this um, process as you know, at least three years before we're, you know, calling for anyone to be fired. And I, and we have sat here on this show, defended Phil Snow when people thought we were, you know, when people thought that he should be fired. I've sat down here and I've praised Matt Rule and other, you know, coaches on this staff. Right. But at the end of the day, these type of press conferences when you're going up there and trying to, you know, push back against narratives, it, it doesn't do you good. It, it just doesn't. And, and that stuff is going to get out there. And well, if you want to become like a winning franchise, win. Beat the Saints. Show that you can actually beat a legit playoff well, team. I mean, this is the thing. You've got big, you've got big websites. You know, the blue check mark reporters out there retweeting 
the stuff about the 76ers today. And that's, to me, that's just a distraction you don't need. It's a can of worms you don't need to open up. It's totally irrelevant. You're, you're cheap-shotting an organization that has nothing to do with yours. Just leave that one alone. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't even know everything the Sixers have done. I know in general what their process was, but I'm not a big NBA guy. I don't even know that much. But, again, it might behoove the coach to stay in his lane on that one. I just – I don't know. And I know questions are asked, and I said this earlier, but some of this was unsolicited. He offered up a lot of information uh, without being asked. So, again, I, I think it, one thing that got me in the presser, Billy, it, you know, Matt talked a lot in this presser, but somebody brought up Taylor Moten. I think it was Joe. Joe asked him about Moten and what his evaluation did. Yeah, I, I, I saw that, yeah. Do you see that? Okay, so let me just tell our listeners here. Uh, just paraphrasing, you know, he was very, you know, uh, very pleasant with his praise on, on Moten. For about 30 seconds of just saying, it's the kind, kind of guy you want. And then Joe very, de- very deftly followed up with a contract question. And <laughs> Matt paused and was like, oh, well, I, 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 I don't handle that. I mean, Samir is kind of our cap guy and uh, – yeah, I just I'm just coaching the team. So I thought that was, I, again, I know he's he's wanted to avoid those questions for obvious reasons, but I thought it was great that you know I'm, I I'll I'll give you all the praise you want on, on Taylor, but you start talking contract, I won't talk about that. I'll talk about the 76ers, but my franchise right tackles contract, man, we're not talking about that one. Yeah, it made me laugh. I mean, sure. Like, when has Samir Suleiman ever been available to the press? I know, right? I th- he had a did Darren Gant, the in-house guy. Now, and, and they're they're already setting themselves up for potentially, like, if he walks, yeah, you know, th- there's going to be a situation where if he walks and the first reporter asks him why why did this happen, and and, and he's going to reply, well, you know, that's what the GM and the uh, Samir did. Yeah, like just yeah. he's take he's, some accountability. To be clear, Rule has game. taken accountability for a lot it's of things. Surprises me because Matt 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 has his DNA all over this roster, so I have a hard time believing he's not heavily involved in evaluation and, and roster moves. But you know, I don't know. I, I don't want to. I don't want to spend too much time on it. But I think it was worth discussing because obviously there were some interesting comments. Um, and, and I've I've been a huge fan of Matt Rule, sure. and I, I wanted him from day one. But this type of ego and arrogance, it, it's not going to serve you well. I mean, you better win. At the end of the day, there yet. you better win. You're not there yet. Yep. It, you got, like his his hero, Bill Parcell, said, you are what your record is. And, and right now he's a five-win coach. Um, so you've, you've got – and in a lot of close games that, that his quarterback of his choosing and a lot of players of his choosing, including Tahir Whitehead and others, have, have let them down in critical situational football moments. So, again, you've got to be better situationally. Just, um, just beat the Saints – and show that you're actually a perennial like winning franchise. Yeah. I don't see Mike Tomlin up there like making excuses for why they lost to the Bengals. No, not at all. Not at all, Billy. So uh, we'll we'll drop it there. Here we got New Orleans coming up here to wrap up the season, and uh, Billy and I are going to continue to pump out some podcasts uh, during the off season to give you an idea of uh, uh, you know where Carolina's heading. And you know, there's a lot of news coming in every week. On you get Senior Bowl obviously coming up, and some you know, draft me here before you know it. But uh, in the meantime, we'll have a, I'm sure, a guest on Thursday to talk about this New Orleans team and uh, we'll move forward. So Billy, anything else as we uh, close up shop here? Yeah, no, not really. I just, uh, I really hope that, you know, and I think that a lot of things will come together if you just win. And I really hope that, that it happens. I really don't care about what the result was yesterday. I'll set it again once. I'll keep on saying I don't care if they win or lose right. on against New Orleans. I prefer a win. 
but at this point you i mean i just really hope things will start moving positive direction because right now it, it's becoming a little bit too toxic for me um between the fan base and the best way to alleviate that is by winning fans are going to be fans and a lot of fans honestly try really hard to understand what they're talking about but they don't and that's okay but the coach has to be above that and he can't go into a diatribe talking down to fans about it and preaching to fans especially when you're a first year guy coming from Baylor you've got to be above that and I think that's my takeaway from today but the football takeaway Carolina with an impressive win 20 to 13 at Washington, uh, giving Ron Rivera, you know, more heartburn. And <laughs> see, it was good to see Carolina win against one of their former guys. That's pretty rare. So Ron's got a chance to seal up the division next week. Carolina's got a chance to wreck some things against New Orleans. And we'll be right back with you coming up here in a few days to break it all down. For Billy Marshall, John Ellis, thank you for listening to the Roar Podcast on Blue Wire. Check you next time. Football is back in full swing. You might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on all the action at Bet Online. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team and player coaching prompts, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today and take advantage of all the great sign-on bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at BetOnline.ag. That's Blue Wire, all one word. Bet online, your online sports book experts. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10 year, 100,000 mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.